0: You never want to overstate these stories, but there was indeed big news today on the search for a cure for HIV that I'd like to tell you about tonight. Doctors in the U.S., including a Canadian one, Reporting only the third known case of HIV remission and the first in a woman following a bone marrow transplant using HIV-resistant cells. Joining me now from New York is one of the lead physician researchers involved in the case. Dr. Marshall Glasby is the associate chief of the division of infectious disease with the Weill Department of Medicine at Cornell University, and he happens to be from Winnipeg. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: This is really, I mean, the headline is 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 quite astounding and, and, and the science behind it, quite fascinating. What exactly was the treatment? And, and when you call it a functional cure, what, it is, that, what is it that you found?
1: Well, the particular person that uh, enrolled in our trial was a woman living with HIV who developed leukemia and was in need of a stem cell transplant, sometimes called a bone marrow transplant, but technically their uh, cells, in this case, it didn't come from bone marrow directly. And uh, as part of her treatment for the leukemia, she enrolled in a trial where we were able to transplant her with cells that were resistant to HIV infection. And specifically, the resistant cells came from umbilical cord donation uh, from a, when the time a baby was born. And they were, uh, have a particular genetic background where the cells are resistant to HIV called a CCR5 Delta 32 mutation. It's something that is seen in a small percentage of the population, probably less than 1% of people, uh, usually people of Northern European ancestry, and generally people are quite healthy and don't have any significant health issues uh, when they're born with this. So uh, she had a transplant again to treat the leukemia with these umbilical cord cells that were resistant to HIV And in conjunction with that, she also had stem cells that came from the blood of a relative that were partly matched to her uh, genetically. And the reason for doing that was uh, in order to treat the leukemia, she had high dose chemotherapy, which meant that her bone marrow was not gonna produce any white blood cells to fight off infection or platelet cells to uh, plot the blood for a period of time. And we know with the umbilical cord cells, it can take almost a month, them to populate the bone marrow and start producing those cells. With the other types of cells that she got from the relative, uh, they took over in her bone marrow for the short term and really served as a bridge. So in about a couple of weeks, they were able to start producing cells, enabled her to recover, leave the hospital for a little over roughly two and a half weeks. And then over the ensuing weeks, the stem cells from the umbilical cord that were resistant to HIV took over. And by hundred days after the transplant, they constituted 100% of the cells in her blood. And uh, that's important because again, those are the cells that HIV is not able to infect. So she recovered well from the transplant, did very well. And uh, 37 months later, she uh, opted to stop her HIV therapy, which she had been on since her diagnosis of HIV. And she was followed very, very closely with frequent monitoring for reappearance of HIV in her bloodstream. And to date, and now we're about uh, 14 months after stopping her HIV therapy, there's not been reemergence of HIV. She's had other sophisticated research tests to try to look for HIV, to look for her body's immune response to HIV. And they're all consistent with there really not being any active HIV in her body. So we call that a functional cure. We can't guarantee that there isn't some HIV somewhere. We haven't done extensive biopsies in different parts of her body, but based on the available information, we can say that there doesn't appear to be any evidence of active HIV absent treatment for HIV. So she's doing very, very well off of HIV therapy.
0: So if I understand correctly, this is essentially replacing an immune system with something able to fight off HIV. I, I know that sounds a bit, a bit, Simple, but it, it sounds like that's, what, that's what's been done successfully, at least for the time being.
1: Well, I would probably not use the term fight off HIV. I would just say that she has cells that uh, repopulated her body that are really essentially immune or resistant to being infected with HIV. So HIV okay. really had nowhere to go. Uh, there weren't any cells that it was able to, the virus is able to infect. It,
0: was, th- was this um, unexpected? Was the result unexpected?
1: I would say it wasn't unexpected. The, uh, this particular type of transplant that I mentioned uh, with the umbilical cord cells had not been done uh, for this purpose and, and also giving the related cells, what we call the cells. in addition. This particular type of transplant has not been done before with the intent of curing both something like leukemia and uh, HIV or leading to long-term control of HIV. The two previous people that have been reported who underwent similar approaches where they uh, got transplanted for, in one case, leukemia, the other, lymphoma, uh, with cells resistant to HIV, had more traditional stem cell transplants with cells that came from adult donors. And what's sort of interesting about those other two cases is that they both had something called graft-versus-host disease, which means that the cells that they were uh, transplanted with essentially started attacking their own cells uh, in their bodies. And that can be a very serious complication, needs to often be treated with immunosuppressive medications, which can have complications. And um, it was never, you know, not really understood whether that particular aspect of those cases may have led to wiping out some of the cells with HIV in it. And maybe that was part of what contributed to the cure or long-term control of HIV. We know from our case, that um, these cord, umbilical cord cells are actually less likely to cause graft-versus-host disease. And in fact, she didn't develop graft-versus-host disease. And yet she's hopefully ending up in the same place with long-term control of HIV. So it seems that this particular uh, complication was not essential to lead to long-term control of, of the infection.
0: Because for listeners who don't know, even functional cures of HIV are exceptionally rare, I gather.
1: Absolutely correct. There have been three people reported. Our case is the third, and actually the first, it's a woman, and a woman who identifies as being uh, 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 multiple uh, races. Mm -hmm. And uh, we think that's actually important because uh, women make up more than half of people living with HIV in the world. In the U.S., it's about a quarter of uh, people with HIV are women. And they've traditionally been underrepresented in research studies, and in particular studies that could contribute to ultimately to HIV cure where some data suggests there are only about 11% of people who enroll in those studies are women. So we're very proud of the fact that uh, our particular participant is is a woman. And uh, there have been a couple of other people who seemingly more naturally have controlled HIV without uh, something radical like a transplant as in the first three cases.
0: want to ask you about what this means more broadly for the uh, more than a million in the U.S. and tens of thousands in Canada living with HIV. But I want to ask you first, because this is always something that, you know, I I remember the first cases of HIV way back when. Why is it proven so difficult to find a cure for HIV?
1: That's a great question. I mean, we have uh, really uh, the ability now to uh, control HIV quite readily with antiretroviral drugs, and people can live really close to normal lifespans. There are concerns about uh, ongoing inflammation and activation of the immune system in people even who have their HIV under control, and that could lead to long-term complications. So there's higher risk of heart disease, certain cancers, etc. People may be aging more rapidly uh, who have HIV compared to people without HIV. So it's not necessarily, uh, you know, without complications, but people are living relatively normal lifespan. So that's been you know, a huge development uh, over the past 15, 20 years. But people can't be cured of HIV because HIV is a very sneaky virus. It has the ability to insert itself into our genetic material, into the DNA of our cells. And then it stays in places where uh, the cells live for a very long time. And unless we have a strategy to actually get rid of those cells, HIV is going to be dormant some degree in the body and always there and always able to reactivate if we stop HIV therapy. So there are other approaches that are being studied uh, to try to uh, purge HIV out of these places. We call that HIV reservoir, and then maybe, uh, you know, use other types of approaches to control the virus. But, you know, we're still a ways away from, from implementing those types
0: of I'm back now with Dr. Marshall Glesby, Associate Chief Division of Infectious Diseases, Weill Department of Medicine at the Weill Cornell University School of Medicine, and one of three physician scientists who's led a clinical trial uh, that has cured or functionally cured HIV in an American woman, one of the only three times that that has happened. And we're discussing both what happened and now we'll discuss a bit about what the broader implications of the treatment are. Um, And I understand that in this case, because she was uh, living with leukemia as well, that this isn't necessarily uh, a process that could be used widely um, in other patients.
1: Uh, That's absolutely correct. Uh, Undergoing a bone marrow transplant or a stem cell transplant is uh, not an insignificant uh, procedure and it has uh, the potential for complications or even death. And perhaps 10 to 20% of people uh, could die just from having a transplant like this related to complications of having received high dose chemotherapy or in some cases radiation as well to wipe out their bone marrow to allow for the transplant to uh, take hold. And there can be infectious complications in particular. So this is not something that would be widely applicable It's uh, something that could be considered in somebody who is uh, in need of a stem cell or bone marrow transplant because of a condition like leukemia or certain lymphomas. Uh, uh, In in that case, it might be something to consider uh, if these types of cells are available. And I think what our case also demonstrates uh, is that these umbilical cord cells could be considered for such a transplant. And why is that important? It turns out that umbilical cord cells can be stored, so you don't have to have a, you know, a fresh donor like you would with an adult donor. And theoretically, you could have a supply of them that have the uh, genetic background again with the CCR5 uh, mutation, where they are uh, resistant to being infected with HIV. And then see if you could match them to somebody who needs the transplant. And uh, the other advantage is that they don't have to be match quite as rigorously as adult stem cell or bone marrow donors. So it's possible that uh, there would be more people who could find a match with this particular genetic background and be able to receive those cells uh, during a transplant.
0: That being said, Dr. So- Dr. Glesby, this, is, this does feel like a very important step, in, in at least in the long journey uh, in, in the search for a cure. How would you describe it?
1: Yeah, well, we're excited about the findings, and uh, we, we think that You know, a modestly increased number of people could be eligible for this type of transplant should they need a transplant for another medical reason, again, like leukemia in particular. But beyond that, it's additional proof of concept that these cells resistant to HIV, if they repopulate a person's body, can lead to long-term control of the infection. And it's there are research groups that are, are studying how to Potentially replicate this through things like gene therapy. Could you take a person's cells out of their body, genetically manipulate them to really mimic the type of cells that uh, our patient received, uh, in other words, cells that are, are resistant to HIV, and then re-infuse those cells into the person with the hope that uh, they would also be able to achieve long-term control of the infection. So we're you know we're a long way from doing that, but it's something that's actively being researched in multiple labs uh, throughout the world.
0: So it does feel like we continuously move in it towards discovering more and more and, and, and towards finding, I mean, the work continues, but it's always exciting when these sorts of developments happen, I gather, for the whole, for, the, for everyone working towards this.
1: Absolutely. It's, you know, I think it really uh, provides additional hope to people living with HIV that there are uh, you know, multiple efforts that are ongoing to try to either improve therapy or ultimately lead to a cure. And uh, that, you know, although it's only a small number of people so far who've benefited from this, that uh, there really is, I think, uh, a lot of hope and uh, reason to be optimistic about the future.
0: I understand in this specific case, though, that the monitoring of this uh, particular patient's uh, condition continues. Is that uh, what will you be looking for, and and how long does that monitoring continue till you can declare a cure?
1: Well, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily a uh, cutoff where we would say uh, we're not going to call this long-term remission anymore. We're going to call it cure. She will be, you know, monitored carefully. She uh, does not need to be monitored quite as frequently as she had been in the initial months after stopping HIV therapy uh, because she has done so well. And we're quite optimistic that just routine monitoring, you know, can be spaced out and and will, you know, confirm that the HIV has not re-emerged. She knows also uh, is four and a half years in remission for her leukemia and uh, that's something that has to be monitored still as well.
0: Just in terms of this patient, this must have made quite a significant difference at the risk of understating it. It must have made quite a significant difference in her life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, I think uh, both contributing to science as a whole, providing hope to other people and just uh, for herself, Uh, not uh, needing to take her HIV medication anymore. I think those are all probably important things that I imagine she's been uh, thinking about in a very positive way.
0: Dr. Glesby, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for shedding some light on this, uh, what feels like an important and and big step in in, uh, the ongoing search for a cure for HIV.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.